Hey, I want you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. How many Bibles do we have in the room today? Hold them up. Awesome. Great. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount over these last few weeks. And, and we've had some great opportunity of hearing the words that God gave to us through His Son when Jesus preached that message. And uh, last week, I know we got a little controversial. We kind of talked about some, you know, marriage and divorce and remarriage. So I, t- I decided today, like, we're not going to get into anything controversial today. Today, we're going to talk about money. <laughs> and we're going to talk about giving. And stewardship and all of those kinds of things. And just so you know, uh, that's exactly what Jesus taught about. And if Jesus taught about it, we ought to talk about it, don't you think? And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Now we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, if we could, in Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to hit the first four verses and then we're going to jump over and then pick up the last verses from verse 19 and following. And then next week, we're going to come back together and we're going to, uh, again, go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 and following. And we're going to like figure out and talk through and walk through what Jesus taught us on prayer and fasting. And so next week we'll be in prayer and fasting. And today we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about possessions. We're going to talk about giving. Uh, Jesus made it very clear, in fact, that uh, in God's word, like money is a big topic. And the reason it's a big topic is because today uh, a lot of people struggle with money. And I'm not talking about struggling with like, you know, don't have enough. I'm talking about like letting money control you. And when you let money control you, then that's not being a good steward of what God blesses us with. And if we're not being good stewards, then we're not being faithful. First Corinthians four tells us that moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. That's what God's word tells us. And so uh, obviously God had a lot of things to say about money in his word. In fact, uh, Jesus and all of his different parables, 11 of the 39 parables dealt with money and possessions. Uh, there are about 2,300 verses in scripture that talk about money. And so it is a big deal. And so while, you know, some might think it's controversial and some might say, oh, preacher talking about money again, I hope you recognize and understand that, uh, you know, I'm not one of these guys that gets up and talks about money all the time, talks about giving all the time, but I do talk about God's word all the time. And if God's word talks about it, then we ought to talk about it. So that's today what we're going to do. And so we're going to talk about uh, this, this, this element that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount and how to deal with giving. And the first thing that he kind of clearly talks to us about is the gift that gives. Now, that doesn't really make sense because you think about when you give something away that you no longer have it. But yet in Jesus's teaching in these few moments that we have together today, clearly the message that we get is that when we give with the right heart, we give with the right attitude, we give the right in the right posture, that it's the gift that gives. And so let's go to Matthew chapter six and let's read in verses one and following. And it says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do charitable deed, uh, do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, uh, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, what clearly Jesus is teaching here, the main emphasis is this, is that we are to do good, not for the sake of, uh, we're to do good for the sake of helping others, not for the sake of helping self. 
In other words, when you're going to give, when you're going to actually uh, give to other people, when you're going to give, whether, you know, it's a, a charitable gift to someone that you see on the street or whether it's giving in church or whether it's giving to some other charity. We've seen what took place this last week in, in Turkey and in Syria, the, the tragic situation with the earthquake there and thousands upon thousands that have died. A lot of people who are hurting and a lot of people who are giving to help, obviously there. And so what it says here is that when you give, that you give in the right kind of heart, the right kind of posture, the right kind of position. In other words, that you're not giving so people will notice you. You are giving so people will notice him. And that's the message that Jesus is making sure that we understand. Now, there's a couple of of implied statements that we see in this passage, some some implied thoughts that that Jesus gives us. And I want to give you these words real quick, and you ought to underline or highlight them in your your Bible. And so it tells us right up front, verse 1, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. You ought to circle that word do. And here's why. Because what Jesus is implying here is that you ought to do some charitable deeds. It's not an option. It's not something that perhaps maybe if you have time or perhaps maybe if you, you know, have a few extra dollars here or there that you ought to help someone. No, what he's implying here is, hey, when you do it, like it's not an option of whether you do it. It's not like if you happen to do it. It's not like, hey, you know, if, if, if time allows or if your budget allows then to help other people. No, what it clearly says here is this. Do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Here's what in verse two. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed. When you do it, in other words, you need to make sure that you are recognizing our responsibility to help others. Now, I could point you to passage after passage, scripture after scripture that talks to us and tells us about why we should give. We should give to help others. We should give to the work of the Lord. We should give to the local church. We should give to ministries that are serving. We should give to people, you know, just randomly, individuals. We should give, but don't give with the context or the idea behind it is, hey, I want people to notice me. This passage, he talks about, hey, don't be like the hypocrites, you know, those people that, that, that give. And the only reason they're giving is so that they can get, you know, get noticed, that they can get celebrated. Don't be like those people. And it actually uses the word here. You don't like, don't sound the trumpets in the street. And we know that there are people in our world today. There are organizations in our world today. Sadly, there are churches in our world today that when they give and when they do charitable deeds, the first thing in their mind is, hey, I want to make sure we put out a press release when we do this so that everybody gets to see what we're doing because, oh man, we're doing such good stuff here. We're making sure that we're helping people. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching against. Because anytime that you are giving for self-notice or self-aggrandizement, self-recognition, anytime you're giving so that people will look at you, what you're clearly doing is you're trying to deflect the blessing of that gift away from the glory of God and the, and the power of God and the service of God. You're trying to deflect that to self because you want to elevate yourself. Now, there's a couple of other thoughts in here that Jesus clearly teaches. 
He says, number one, yep, you should give. Absolutely, you should give. Don't give like the hypocrites do. He actually uses that to say, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. A lot of people use that as language to say, well, uh, you know, I'm going to give, but I'm not going to let anybody know what I'm doing. And I'm not, I mean, I'm going to give cash. I'm not going to fill out an envelope in church because I don't want people to know. And, and I want to keep this very secret. And they use this as the, the, the designation here of like, like, this is something I want to, you know, be completely inward on. I don't want any one to know. That's not what he's saying. In fact, you should, good stewardship is actually that you do make sure the government gives us, you know, benefits when we give, we should take advantage of that because when we take advantage of the deductions and the taxes and all those kinds of things, then that allows us to have more to be able to do for the kingdom. And so clearly like he's not saying that what he's saying is like, Hey, don't go out and trumpet it in the streets. Don't go out and make sure that people notice you or recognize you for the giving because it's not about you. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, in that passage, it says this, you are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the works, the good works that he prepared for you before time began. Clearly, we have a a statement in God's word given to us over and over again that we need to give. Now, understand He says it here that if you give and you give like the hypocrites, it's all about you. Hey, you'll get your reward here. Like you'll be honored here, but you won't get honored later. God's not going to reward you for giving, you know, for self, uh, self elevation and self recognition. But here's the cool thing. What it tells us clearly is that when we give in the right stead, when we give in the right stewardship, when we're, we're blessing people and giving to help others and minister to others uh, and we're doing it with that right heart that we're not trying to make it all about us. We're trying to make it all about the kingdom, doing kingdom work. Not only will we be blessed here, but this passage clearly tells us that, that, that God will reward us. In other words, there is a benefit, a heavenly benefit for actually being willing to be a good steward and giving of your time, talent, treasure to give of your resources. God's going to honor that. God's going to bless that. And that's why the passages teach. And to be honest with you, pastors will pervert the teaching of scripture where the teaching of scripture is that you will be blessed when you give, that it will be given to you and, you know, press down, shake, running over. Yeah, absolutely. Like God is going to bless you for giving. You can't outgive God. Okay. Now pastors will pervert that by saying, oh, well, if you'll give, God's going to give you like 10 times more. Like if you'll just send me $10, God's going to give you a hundred dollars before the end of the day. And they try to make this prosperity theology, this prosperity gospel. That is not what God is teaching. What God is saying, I will reward you forgiving, but don't give for the reward. Does that make sense? Like we don't give for the blessing, but God promises to give a blessing. And so it's this really neat thing that in the kingdom of God, that we're given this picture, this idea that, Hey, if you are generous and if you recognize and understand that everything that God places into your hands is a gift from God to be used to further the kingdom and you give with the right heart and the right passion, the right desires that God will honor that. And God will use that not only to make a difference for the person that you're trying to help, but it'll actually make a difference for you. And that's a good thing, but don't give just for that. And so what he's teaching here clearly is like, hey, there are a lot of people who give so that people will recognize them and notice them. There are a lot of people who will give so they can, you know, brag about what they've done and brag about their, you know, their stewardship and their, their charity and all the, don't do that. Give to further the kingdom of God. Now, if you get recognized for that, okay, but that's not your motivation. 
If people thank you for the gift, hey, great. That's not your motivation. Your motivation is to give to help people. There are often times that I'll be riding down the road on Ward's Road, and if you've been on the Ward's Road lately, you've seen that you know sometimes there are some people that are hanging out on the streets down there, and they've got the little cardboard signs out there, and you know they'll hold them out there, and uh, they always kind of hang out at McDonald's, maybe because they see me come in. I don't know. They 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 sit there and they'll hold up little signs and you know talk about how that they're homeless, and and, and I know like like common knowledge, people will tell like don't give to them, don't don't do that because they're probably not being honest. And here's the deal. I don't know if they're being honest or not. Here's what I know is that's an opportunity for me to bless and it's an opportunity for me to give. And so, you know, whenever I ride by, I'll roll my window down and I'll hold, hold out, you know, some dollars and, and give them some money. And I do that. And so I've been fussed at by that. I've been fussed at by people like who've seen me do that. So you shouldn't give. And I was like, why not? Well, boo, how do you know how they're going to use it? I don't know how they're going to use it, but that's not my motivation. My motivation is not to make sure that they do things the way that I want them. My motivation is to recognize that if that person is someone who needs help, I want to make sure that as a representative of the body of Christ, I'm going to help them and I'm going to bless them. And if they use it unwisely, hey, that's their stewardship. That's on them. That's not on me. But I want to make sure that understand that if I've got money in my pocket that God has blessed me with and I can help someone who's hurting, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to help someone who's hurting because you cannot outgive. God. There are lots of times and lots of opportunities that people come into your path every single day. Today, many of you are going to go to restaurants around this community and you're going to have lunch. You're going to sit down and have lunch and there are going to be servers there who are going to be working. They're going to be working hard and they're going to be, you know, doing a lot of running around, making sure that you're getting all the food that you want, making sure you get the refills that you want, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and unfortunately, there are a lot of you who probably won't tip them very well. And I would recommend, hey, tip them well. Tip them like more than expected, more than you should. Because again, you're a representative of the body of Christ. God has blessed you. Bless them. You cannot outgive God. Minister to people, encourage people. And Jesus says, hey, make sure you do this. Like when you give, when you give, which means give, give with the right heart, give with the right motivation, give with the right passion, and God will honor that and bless you for it. So it's the gift that gives. And I'm going to turn my Bible around so I can actually read the passage right. The gift that gives. But then we also keep reading, jump down to verse 19. He talks about the gift that, that destroys. Now, there's a good gift and there's a bad gift, right? The gift that destroys. Let's read verse 19. Verse 19 says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. I want to pause right now, right right here for a moment, and talk about that statement, treasures where moth and rust will destroy. Remember, this is back in the context of first century, right? First century A.D. And, you know, they didn't have stocks back then, and they didn't have, like, the, you know, the kinds of things you could invest in and all those kinds of things like we do now. What they had back then that really was of value was, like, metals, precious metals, like gold and silver coins and those kinds of things, and also clothing. That's why in the Old Testament, you'll read Proverbs 31 talks about it, where, you know, that Proverbs 31 woman, that they would actually, you know, gather together purple and linens and all of the, that was a a sign of wealth, that they would have cloth and and clothing and and fine clothing. And and through the the whole Old Testament, you read so many times, go back to Leviticus, so many times where they go through great detail about the, the clothing that the priest would wear and all of those kinds of things. Like this was a sign of value, it was a sign of wealth. 
And so when you think about that, when it says here, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Now you get it, right? Because what destroys clothing? Moths, right? And what can destroy metals? Rust, right? So that's what Jesus is saying. Again, context of what he's talking about so we can understand. Don't lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You want to underline that verse. The lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either will he hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon is an idea, a picture of value, of worth. Uh, it can mean money. It can mean precious metals. It can mean cars. It can mean houses. It can mean stuff. It can mean like whatever you want it to mean, like of something that is of value to you that you want to hoard, that you want to gather together, that you want to cling tightly to, that you want to make sure that like, I want more and more stuff. We move into a passage of scripture here in Jesus's sermon on the Mount, where he talks about greed and talks about worry. And I think we live in the day and age today where greed is a real problem, isn't it? And worry is a real problem. Now, when you talk about greed, it's the idea like that we live in a culture today where everybody wants as much as they can. They want more and more and more and they want to get it and they want to hang on to it and they want as much as they can possibly get. And whatever they have is never enough. Does that sound like the culture in which we live? And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, here's what I want to make sure you get. The context of what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is not saying that stuff is bad. There are a lot of people that will say and a lot of people who will teach that you, when it says don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, what he's saying is he's not saying here it's bad to have money. He's not saying here it's bad to have stuff. He's not saying here that, that you should never you know, accumulate wealth. That's not at all what he's saying. What he's saying is that clearly we need to recognize and understand that stuff is not the end game. That stuff that we accumulate and value and money and, and wealth that we accumulate is not like the, the, the goal. That's not what we're running for. That's not what we want to try to accomplish. What we're trying to accomplish is to use the resources that through good stewardship and through good you know, handling of all of these things that God will bless us and we will get more of stuff, more things, more resources, more money that then we can use to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, this is a clear teaching on stewardship and resources. I know there are a lot of people in our church, some wonderful people in our church who, man, who work hard and they've got a lot of money and they make a lot of money. And with the money that they make, they, they work hard to make that money and they see it with the idea of this is a tool that I can use to further the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is teaching here. What he's 
also teaching against here is that when you get to the place where you want more and more money and get as much as you can and stack it up and you're going to lock it away and it's not for the purposes of what you can do to further the kingdom of God and to to bless people and to to encourage people and to help people and to to reach out to people who are hurting that that when you are only focused on getting as much as you can and holding on to it and hoarding it and hiding it and it's all about you and it's all for you that that is what will be destroyed and it destroys in a couple of different ways it destroys clearly like from the fact that you can lose it that's obviously destruction but it also destroys in the sense that it destroys you have you ever heard the story or read the life story of Howard Hughes a guy that back in in his day he died in 1976 died at 50 some years old and through his lifetime, he uh, you know, accumulated wealth in today's dollars of about $11 billion, a billionaire, very few billionaires back in that day. But man, he had lots and lots of money. And you read his life story and you see that this was a guy that was absolutely miserable. He was absolutely miserable. His life was just a, a man, it was a dumpster fire. I mean, every situation, the point where he actually, actually got to the point where he was just crazy. He was, he was like insane because all he wanted to do is accumulate more and more and more. He didn't trust anyone. He didn't have any friends. He didn't love anyone. He didn't like anyone. It was all about the stuff and it was all about the power and it was all about the position that he wanted to be in and it destroyed his life. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy or thieves will break in and steal. You see, recognize and understand that, that when you have this opportunity of resources that you, you know, that God blesses you with and God, by the way, and God blesses you in business and, and in work that you can work hard and you can earn money. You can earn resources. That's a good thing. But recognize it says you cannot serve two masters that either we're going to serve one love one and hate the other or that the other one is going to destroy us. And that's what he's talking about here. That we have to have the right, proper perspective about stuff, about money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I, I'm, there's some guys that I know, individuals that I've had the opportunity to get to know that are billionaires. That today, I mean, they have billions of dollars. I mean, they, they just like money. You can't even imagine how much money they have. And for these ones, these individuals that I know that are billionaires, every single one of them, they do not look at their value. They don't look at their wealth as something that that's what their identity is. They look at it as a tool and a resource. One particular billionaire that I know, he uses about every single dollar that he has to reach people around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, he is passionate about making sure that we're reaching young people in countries all over the world. And, and he thinks about, he gets up in the morning, he'll text me sometimes at like five o'clock in the morning. I don't read them till later, but he texts me about five o'clock in the morning, you know, talking about, man, how we can do something here, do something there to minister to people, to reach people and to share the gospel. That is the proper perspective. Is there anything wrong with him being a billionaire? Not a bit. Because he is using his resources and stewardship to do the right thing. Here's the question. Most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, will never be billionaires. Maybe some of you will. That's awesome. That's great. But probably not all of us, none of us will ever become billionaires like that. But when we talk about what God is referring to here in our resources and our stewardship, the, the, the amount is really not important. It's the heart. So if you don't have billions of dollars, if you don't have millions of dollars, 
If maybe you just have like a, a little bit of dollars. How do you treat that resource? How do you treat that money? How do you treat that stuff? Do you treat it as a gift from God? A God that God blesses you with it in order to use it for the right purposes and the right... Now listen, I'm not saying you should give rather than provide for your family. The Bible says if you don't provide your family, you're worse than an infidel. You absolutely should provide for your family. And so the question is, the idea is like, hey, how can we make sure that we are treating every single thing that we have not as the end game, not as something to obtain, but rather as a tool that can be used to continue to carry out the work that God has called us to do. And that's what he's referring to. In San Jose, California today, there's a, there's a house there called the Winchester Mystery House. And it's a house that uh, is now it's like a tourist site. And you see the picture here that it, what it looked like back in, 18, in the 1880s. And there's a lady, her name was Sarah Winchester, who happened to be married to William Winchester, who happened to be the guy who created Winchester Rifles. And they got married and started to see some success. And, and then he died. Their child died. And then he died. And, and she was very sad. She left where they lived and she moved to San Jose. And she bought this eight-room house. And that looks like a nice house, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you like to live in that house? That's a good-looking house, isn't it? Very pretty house. And so she bought that house. And, and in 1886... She bought that house and she had all the money that she had been left by her husband. And she went to that house and walked in eight rooms and it was just her. And she started thinking, well, you know, maybe I should add on a little bit. And so, you know, I've got some money and I'll start doing some things. And, and over the next 40 plus years, she never stopped adding on to her house. And what started as an eight-room house, it's a pretty house, it's a nice house. By the time she died in 1922, it looked like this. Everything that you see there with red roofs is all part of the house. You'll see in the bottom right-hand corner that original farmhouse that was in the front. Everything going all the way back that she continued to build on that house. She did that for 40-plus years. She just kept building. What started with eight rooms then became 160 rooms. What started at 2,100 square feet now is about 26,000 square feet. In that house today, there are 10,000 windows. There are 2,000 doors. There are 47 staircases. There are uh, 42 fireplaces. There are scores of bathrooms and bedrooms and multiple kitchens. And she just kept building and building and spending more and more and more. And on that little house that we saw just a moment ago that she bought to move into, by the time that she died in 1922, she had spent an equivalency of $2023. She had spent $71 million on this house. She lived alone. And she continued to build and build and build and build and spend and spend and spend and spend and died in 1922. And they had to find a relative to be able to actually give them whatever she had left. She never came out and talked to people. She didn't have any friends. She didn't go into the community to make a, a positive impact and a positive difference. She just kept building and building over and over. And that house today, you can take a tour of that house and you'll find it. You'll walk up a stairway. When you get to the top of the stairway and open a door, there's nothing on the other side of the door. It drops down 20 feet into the kitchen. You can actually, if you're not careful, can walk through that door. And if you keep going, you'll fall down into the kitchen sink. No purpose for the stairwell, no purpose for the door, other than the fact that she just had to keep spending money on this house. And there are people today in this room that do the same kind of thing. Maybe not building a house with 160 rooms, 
But man, you just, the stuff that you get, you can't help, but you, you've got to use it just to get more and more and you want to spend and you want to buy and you want to buy and you want to buy and not for the purposes of figuring out how to provide for your family and be good stewards, good managers, but rather you just can't help yourself because money is something that you serve. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one at a time. So are you going to serve God or stuff? You see, Jesus was talking about how that the gifts that God gives us, that he blesses us with, can actually be used for good or can be something that used that destroys. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, and not once, the question we have to ask ourselves over and over and over again is, are we going to use that gift to the right end. So the gift that gives, the gift that destroys. And then he went on to talk in the rest of this passage of the gift that sustains. Look what it says here in verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in, put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So what Jesus is saying here is clearly like, hey, why are you worried about everything? Why is your life so consumed by worry about, you know, what you're going to have and what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat? Like, like, hey, even the birds, they don't, they don't work. They have no opportunity of going out and making money. They can't go and invest in the stock market. They can't do any of that kind of stuff. And doesn't even God provide for them and take care of them? And aren't you of more value than them? And the answer is yes, because if you go back to the book of Genesis, only man and woman, only we were created in the image of God. Do you think God cares? Yeah. And said, so are you not of more value than, than them? And so he tells us here, like, hey, how do we find the gift that sustains? Like the, the gift that's going to bring us through the rest of our lives so that we don't have to worry. So worry we can set aside and do away with. And the first thing he tells us is this, is, hey, we've got to make sure that we trust God fully. Look what it says in the next verse. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? The NIV says, can you add one hour to your life? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Jesus wants us to see that worry is a waste of time. I can go around this room and I can interview every single one of you and ask you the question, like when there was a time in your life where you were really, really worried about something, and if I asked you, did the worry do any good? Not a one of you could say, oh yeah, it really helped. Because worry doesn't help. Worry, like, just, man, get you in that anxiety, that, that, that pain. Like, man, I just wonder what tomorrow's going to hold. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. And God said, hey, hey, don't you think I know what you need? Don't you think that I'm going to take care of you? The answer is absolutely trust God fully. Now, some might say, well, wait a minute. I hear what you're saying, but, man... I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I don't know how I'm actually going to even, you know, pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to survive. 
And then you kind of bring the whole context of Jesus' teaching here. He wasn't teaching to one person. He was teaching to the body of Christ, right? And if you go to Acts chapter 2 and read about the body of Christ in the last part of that passage, what does it say? And it says that the body of Christ, that they cared for one another and they prayed for one another and they provided for one another. You see, so when the body of Christ is actually doing what the body of Christ is supposed to do, don't you think God's going to take care of you? Absolutely. The problem is, is that when things break down, it's because the body of Christ is not being the body of Christ that he intends for us to be. So we've got to trust him fully. But then he goes on to say in the second part of this, we've got to seek him fully. Look what it says in verse uh, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What that basic, that statement, sufficient for the day is its own trouble, is basically ideas of say, hey, today you got enough problems today, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about like what next week's going to look like. Don't worry about what next year's going to look like. Students, don't worry about what you're going to do when you graduate. I can't tell you how many students I know, many that I've talked to, like are scared to death. I mean, I don't, I'm graduating May and I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's what I would tell you. Don't worry about what you're going to do. Worry about what you're going to do today. And when we're diligent and we're responsible in following God today, seeking first the kingdom of God in this day and in his righteousness today and being diligent about what we're doing today, you know what really cool happens is like tomorrow takes care of itself and the next day takes care of itself. Now, I know some of you students are hearing me saying that. Like, yeah, but great. That sounds great. But I'm, I am graduating in May and I don't have a job yet. You know, you're worried about, I get it. I understand that. But listen, understand God, this is not me seeing God speaking, saying that, Hey, worry about making sure that you're focused on him today, doing what he's called you to do today. And God will lead you down the right path. And he will open the right door. Why? Because go back to what we read in Matthew chapter six, verses one through four. You know what it tells us when you do the right thing now, and when you do it with the right heart attitude, Our Father who sees you in heaven, he will reward you. Again, not a preacher's words. Those are the words of Jesus. So let me give you a couple quick application points today. First one is this. Use an open grip to hold on to all that he's blessed you with. In other words... You see the kind of the context here. There's two different ideas. Uh, Use an open grip to hold on. So what does that tell you? Don't waste what God blesses you with. Okay, don't waste what God blesses you with. Like actually be a good steward. Be, Be responsible. Save money. Don't spend everything you have. Don't run your credit cards up like crazy. Don't don't do all the the wild and crazy things that this world seems to be so oft so oft doing, where they're wasting every dollar they get and spend. Like don't do that. Like hold on to it, but hold on to it with an open grip. Like it's in your hands and you've got it protected, and you know it's not going to blow away. You've got it. But man, don't clench it so tightly that that you can't use it for the purposes that God wants you to use it. So hold on to the stuff you have with an open grip. Second one, recognize the real value of your time and your talent and your treasure. And again, if you're a billionaire or if you're trying to make ends meet, living paycheck to paycheck and wondering how you're going to make the rest of the month, regardless, it makes no difference. Scale is the same. Here's a recognize the value of your time and your talent and your treasure. 
There are people today who do not have hardly one dollar to their name that are making kingdom impact because they're willing to serve and they're willing to, to use of their time and their talent to do what God has called them to do. And then there are people who are billionaires who have money running out of their ears and they accomplish nothing for the kingdom because they hold tightly to everything they have. Recognize that what you have been given is resources of time and talent and treasure that God can use in and through you to make an impact and make a difference. And thirdly, when fear grips you, when fear grips you, let go and let God do what he does best. And what does God do best? God takes care of us better than you can ever take care of yourself. Trust God fully. Seek God fully. Seek God first. His kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things, whatever they might be, will be added to you. Let's pray. God, thank you for clear teaching on things that matter, practical issues of resource, of money, of time, of talent, of treasure. God, thank you that you, through your word and through the words of Christ, like, like we know, like hey, here's what we need to do. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be diligent. God, because this is an area where all of us struggle. All of us have a, a challenge here when it comes to stuff because like we naturally, a human perspective, a human condition, like we want more stuff. And so God, help us to recognize and understand that stuff are just simply resources that you place into our hands to use for good. God, to take care of our families, to grow the kingdom, to help people in need, to help the hurting, to serve the poor, to serve the people like in Turkey and Syria who've lost everything, to minister to the guy on Ward's Road who is standing there and may not have a home to go to. God, help us to recognize and have a proper perspective of stuff. That stuff is a gift. And that you expect us and require us to be good stewards. God, I pray that we'll do that. And God, obviously, the most important thing that you've given to us that we need to be good stewards of is our lives. Our hearts. That God, you created us in your own image. And you created us because you wanted fellowship with us. You created us so that we could worship you. And God, Lord, I pray that the, the first step of stewardship for every person in this room watching or listening is that they need to come into that right relationship with you, God, of recognizing that they are a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus came to be that Savior, that he died on the cross for their sins and rose again three days later. And through believing in him, that they can transition from being a sinner with no hope to being a saint that has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that in this moment, you'll help them to see that truth. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, and in a moment we're going to stand, our altar is going to be open, our team is gathering here. And, and when we do, if you're here today and you want to take that first step of stewardship and that stewardship of your soul, I encourage you to step out and to come down and talk to one of our team members and say, listen, I want to meet Christ today. Man, they would love to talk with you about who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe today you need to come down and you just need to kneel here and, and, and actually just like say, God, I'm sorry that I've not been a good steward. I've not been a good steward of my time. I've not been a good steward of my talent. I've not been a good steward of my treasure. And God, today I, I want to change that. I, I, I want to turn things around. Maybe you want to come and pray that prayer. 
Maybe you want to come and pray for a family member who's away from God and running after the things of the world. Maybe you want to come and join our church family. Maybe you want to come for baptism. And so we're going to stand, and Scott's going to lead us, and as he does, the altar's open, and I just encourage you to to take a step to do what right now God is telling you to do. So let's stand, and Scott's going to lead us. out of here and you're going to have an opportunity to be a good steward. So steward your time, steward your talent, steward your treasure. Serve others because you can't serve God and stuff. So serve others and that in return you're serving God. Make a difference, make an impact. Like let people see that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and the way that you live is a direct reflection of what God has done for you. And so go out of here, be a good steward of everything. Why? Because Jesus said it matters. And if Jesus said it matters, guess what? It matters. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.